0: You are listening to Genuine
1: Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week is part one of my conversation with artist Elise McCall. So, only a few episodes ago, I think episode 173, I spoke with Alison Shelton and Elise McCall about the Reburn comic. Alison Shelton was the creator and writer, and Elise McCall is the artist for it. And so, after that conversation, I did a bit of research and things into Elise's artwork and whatnot on her website, which I hugely, hugely recommend you all check out, especially for this conversation. A link will be in the description, but it's just McCall.com. And after doing a lot of research, I just wanted to talk to Elise about her artistic method, about what some of her artwork was like, or at least how I interpreted it to be like as well as some of her preferences to drawing or painting or you know the various different methods in which an artist can create art so we decided to have another conversation and that's what this is all about Now, this is part one of a two-parter. Obviously, all patron supporters of the show get access to both parts in one go, and that's already been uploaded as of recording this. However, for all you normal listeners who I still appreciate a huge amount, this is going to be the first part. So in this, we talk about how Elise's love of art and things kind of started in her youth and her artistic expression in general, as well as how that linked in with a collaboration with Alison Shelton for Reburn. And then we speak about a variety of other things, including whether or not she prefers hand-drawn or digital artwork, and her drawing way of painting in general as well as inspiration and why some art styles are more appealing to some than others so that's a general overview of the conversation obviously part 2 will be out next week and the conversation will continue there but I will say just please check out Elise's website the artwork there is incredible you can just look at it for hours and it would really really help understand a lot of the things that we are speaking about in this conversation especially towards the end of this part and especially in part 2 so make sure you check that out check out the links in the description because that's got Elise's website and also a link to read burn and uh, that's gonna be enough from me at this moment but i will be back at the end of the conversation to give you a bit more information on what's to come and a few other bits and pieces i have been involved with so without further ado my friends thank you as always for listening and i present elise mccall welcome to genuine chit chat where we have honest conversations with interesting people and i'm your host mike burton I am here today with Elise McCall, and obviously we spoke, um, I think about a month ago, I can't remember when the episode was released, I think it was a a week or two ago now, it's kind of jumbled up a little bit because my time, my scheduling and things has been a bit messy because my laptop recently died, so any watchers on YouTube, the visual quality is not quite as good as it usually is, but I'm making do, Uh, thank the Lord that Megan's got basically the same laptop as me. Um, But. With Elise McCall. So, obviously, we spoke uh, a few weeks ago and a month or so ago, and we spoke because you are part of the Reburn comic. You were the artist for that, and you were the color artist for the first issue of that as well. So, it's a brief, obviously, we'll say to people, go back, listen to the episode. It's a brilliant introduction. Um, But in this one, we want to get more deeply into you and some of your artwork and some of your career and your kind of view on art in a way and the kind of artistic side of you. So, is there any way that you would want to introduce yourself to? Uh, our lovely listeners once again if they haven't met you before
0: yeah i mean my name is elise mccall and i'm a, a all-around artist i do comic illustration and i also paint and i've been doing that for a long time now you know i'm not that old but i like have been doing it since i was pretty young
1: yeah, that's amazing. And so with your art, I mean, obviously you've uh, been involved with a lot of projects and you've got some solo things and there's something that I will encourage throughout this conversation, no doubt, but is people to go to your website, which is elismccall.com. I'll put a link in the description, but you can just go through the paintings and the artwork and all of the different sort of eras of your styles, as well as some of the commissioned work as well that I absolutely love. And it's really, really interesting being able to look through those. So linking with that, if we go all the way back to sort of your earliest uh, memories in a sense of drawing when was that was that sort of doodling in class was that even before that like where was your artistic roots of in a sense putting pen to paper
0: yeah I would say that I've been doing it since I was you know a kid and I I had the impression that like I thought like all kids just you know love to draw and will do artistic things but I've had a few friends tell me that they were like not me you know and that. You know, I was just always drawing. I was always doing some sort of creative, crafty kind of project. And uh, I was pretty fortunate. I had a very. Um, open-minded family you know my whole um, the family that raised me at least there uh, they had a lot of artists in their family history so like at a young age when I was already like you know doing things like sculpting or drawing they were like incredibly supportive and like yeah that's that's great you should keep doing that you know where that can be a little like iffy uh, for some people I knew uh, you know growing up in our present society feeling um, a lot of people see art as a sort of like, you know, one way trip to poverty. <laughs> and so, you know, they weren't necessarily encouraged and supported by their families to do it. I, I knew a lot of people um, in school who would feel like, uh, like their parents were like, why are you doing this? You know, whereas my family was always really like, no, that's great. You know, like we, and, and it was like natural because there were artists in our family history we had like these old drawings from like you know like the early 1900s and you know it's it it kind of is this continuity you know and so yeah yeah so I started doing that and then I started to serious be seriously be like I want to draw like like I want to be an artist with the capital A <laughs> when I was like about 12 I think you know like because I had gotten into things like comic books and I loved reading comics I loved the art in them and I started like just kind of copying the things that I saw and then I started being like well this is awesome how do I keep doing this and then how do I draw things that like aren't already on paper so like how do I look at something and be like I want to draw that how do I draw a face you know because it's that's super complicated and hard and so that's when about the age when I started being like reading books about it and seeing um how people did it and then i was really fortunate i got into a a high school that kind of focused in the arts and specialized in it so i got some kind of more more focused education on it
1: that's incredible yeah it's amazing when you have that sort of that support about something that is you know obviously careers which are the more conventional careers usually get some degree of support from the family be it just morale or otherwise because it's deemed as a a worthy venture in certain ways whereas as you said with art a lot of the time it can be perceived as a hobby not necessarily a career or something you can not the money is the be all and end all but a lot of family values and a lot of families do focus a lot on is what you're doing generating revenue are you making money can you support yourself etc so the fact that you had family members who not only obviously had experience in art anyway but were willing to support that and sort of give air to the flame in a sense to be able to allow you to go sort of that route must have really really helped and um, with with that did you learn anything from the more artistic ones in the family or was it more of a kind of a, a boost just them being behind you less so than a the teaching sort of style
0: yeah i would say it's kind of like a little bit of both because you know my so i've talked a lot about my mom you know my mom has uh, schizophrenia and i've always thought that like you know, there's a lot of things that are challenging about that experience. But the thing that has actually, I think, really benefited me as an artist is that my mom is really creative. She's really open minded about things. And um, she actually knew she knows how to draw, but she would always kind of like uh, poo poo herself. You know, she would say like, oh, I'm I'm not not good at this stuff or, you know, she is really like hard on herself. But I was always like, you know, as a kid, like you, you're really good. Like, I want to do this, too. Um, and and the way that i feel like i kind of was taught in some ways by her is just like having that openness is Really essential to creativity because I I briefly worked at a um a paint your own ceramic studio like a kind of kitschy like little thing and you know I would see parents come in with their kids and so often like you know they'd get their little sculpture and they'd start painting it and their parents would be like no 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 you can't paint your dog blue you know dogs aren't they're they're brown you know paint your dog like this color you have to do the red collar you know like they would really kind of hover and control that kind of experience and be like there's a right way to do this and I was like wow my mom was so much more like yeah do do a blue dog do like weird stuff I I, I like this random little doodle you did you know and that kind of like openness I think is actually really conducive to creativity and being able to kind of just explore
1: mm. yeah it's all about with being a parent I mean I don't have kids uh, myself and Megan will potentially go down that route at some point but we're kind of you know we've got a dog now so that's enough for the time being but when if when we go down that route and have kids and things it's always a tricky thing of boundaries and The degree of guiding your child outside, you know, with your experience and guiding them with what you know and things without trying to control them and make them, like, force them. There's, you know, the age-old adage, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You know, you can allow kids have these opportunities to be an artist or to be a musician or to play sports or something like that. But if if they're not feeling it and they're not in their sort of, they're not kind of allowed to explore and kind of do what they sort of want in that space in the right way, then it can just backfire and it just it doesn't work and things like forcing a child uh, to this thing they're creating to force them from the start to be like nope these are the rules you have to do this it's like it immediately just cuts off lines of where one's own thought process can go and really connecting to the imagination i'd say
0: absolutely and i would even you know like so much of like learning how to draw is like like the skills are not as hard as you would think they are to learn, but it's a psychological battle to to learn how to draw and to become like, you know, learn those skills because you know, I, I talked about it with a friend way back in the day who was into acting, right? And and he was saying that like acting is a nice thing for children because they don't have to watch themselves act. Mm-hmm. You can act and, you know, and you don't have to like be confronted with your performance. Whereas with drawing and art, you have to look at your failure constantly. <laughs> and it's really, um, you know, it can be really brutal. And I found that like, more so than anything, people are are so hard on themselves like the first thing that whenever I tell people that like oh I'm an artist I draw and such you know I'm always confronted with this line of like I can't even draw a straight line or like oh I'm I you know that's so cool like I can't do this or I can't do that you know like people are just so hard on themselves because they have this sense of like I don't know some sort of internal critic or maybe a family member who was a critic you know that there is such a feeling that um you have to like overcome in order to just keep you know kind of pushing through that discomfort
1: mm. it's very well put and i think this connects nicely into the i think the maybe dissonance is the wrong word but the internal struggle that all artists uh, have in sort of this capitalist society which i'm not necessarily critiquing there are many benefits to the society in which we live in but obviously the main driving force of this is what we mentioned earlier which is money so how does one, as an artist, as someone who specifically their their passion is to create art in the many various ways there are, which are one of the purest forms of self-expression, how does one, how do you get that into a commercial sense? How did the kind of journey go for you of going from, I can create these things and people around me appreciate them and I feel like I'm achieving something from this creation, to I'm now going to take directions from someone to have this sold in a commercial sense. How did that kind of transformation go for you?
0: That's a good question. I mean, like, that's a kind of um, ongoing, like... Uh, process for me because it is it's it's challenging you know it's like finding that right balance of maintaining your you know personal voice while also you know trying to get jobs and work within you know an industry like for for instance with like illustration or comics Um, yeah I mean it's been a lot of like trial and error for me Um, I was pretty Lucky, though, like, because I went to an arts-focused high school, you know, and then I went on to pursue a uh, bachelor's of fine arts degree, so I got more training from professionals who, you know, kind of you get these mentorships to learn, like, okay, like, how are other artists in the field, how are they doing it? And I was, uh, you know, I was still trying to find my path, but I met a lot of people who kind of, like gave me some of the structure that some of the like know-how of like how do you do your taxes as a creative person you know because that matters you can't just like ignore that you know and yeah uh but like how but i you know it's hard you a big part of it i would say is probably networking mm-hmm. and um meeting people going to like events like I would go to in the early days like comic conventions um, and just try and go to those and talk to various artists who are industry professionals and you know get excited about their work and ask like how they did it you know and it kind of you know that can be informative and then um, you know there's At least in my area, I was lucky enough that there were kind of other networking events, you know, where it'd be like Drink and Draws, uh, where you could go to a gallery or something and there's other artists and everybody's kind of doing stuff. Because I feel like most of the jobs that I ended up getting came from, you know, one-on-one conversations. And that's not, you know for everyone i know a lot of people like they have to you know utilize the internet more and that that's more th- maybe a comfortable place for them but for me I, it it really has kind of been linked to face to face interactions
1: hmm that's very interesting cuz from what i understand of what uh, alison has spoken about you is that you are more of an introverted individual in general so putting yourself out there to it's Foster collaboration is what well, it sounds like a lot of it, because in the arts, be it music or any of the sort of other various ways in which people express themselves, and that's basically a way to, in the professional sense, either make money or sort of make a project worthwhile, it is all a collaboration. Obviously, the further you scale up, there become companies and things and corporations who then commission certain works and etc. to make the highest amount of money, but you also have to follow usually the strictest structure, and you kind of scale down and it becomes this a more of an openly collaborative thing less so than a you know here's here's a picture every single thing here is numbered to exactly what paint like color almost you have no freedom you you just have to do this thing and if you can't we'll get someone else in the row so with that in mind sort of we'll link it to reburn in a good way um which is obviously when you uh collaborated with Alison shelton on that as well as uh jessica as well whose surname escapes me at the moment so apologies for that it's um the Reborn comic in itself, oh, I it was Patel, sorry, Jessica uh, Patel. And then there was Hillary Jenkins who did the color work for uh, issues two to four. It was that collaborative uh, project that you did for Reburn and with Alison. Was that an example of something that happens quite frequently from in your career so far, or was that more of a special case of someone you really, or people that you really cl- uh, connected with on that sort of, uh, on that basis?
0: Yeah. With, with them. I mean, like it was funny. I mean, Part of what happened there is that they actually, you know, they reached out to me and Mm -hmm. I was one of, uh, you know, a couple artists they were probably reaching out to because they had seen other work I had done. And that's a big part of it, too, is like kind of once you get that in and start moving, like you start to have a little more like people start to word of mouth hear about you or like they see your work and then they reach out, you know, so that's it's really helpful to get that initial in, you know, to to start that. And then when they reached out, you know, I get I do get approached about projects and sometimes I can already feel out like oh this probably isn't for me or or I can be like in the case of Reburn I was like oh yeah this this feels like it could be cool um and it helped a lot that we could meet over things like Zoom and stuff because most of our early conversations it was almost like we weren't even talking that much about Reburn, you know, yet we were we were almost feeling each other out and having just these long conversations about um, philosophies and and our worldviews and things that were just coming up in our lives. And that kind of uh, can help you, I think, as an artist, get a feel for, oh, this is a, a collaboration that can work you know because so much about collaborating and and dealing with you know like i've heard the term like knowledge work which is you know stuff that's a little abstract it's not like yeah it's not a paint by numbers situation it's a like oh we have to make something out of nothing and in that situation, it, you can be very vulnerable. It's really, um, it can be really challenging. You know, there are long nights spent awake, just trying to get something done, you know? And so you really want to, like, I found that, the best thing to do is like really make sure that the people you're working with from the start, like you're on the same page, you kind of can understand, you can communicate easily and have similar communication styles. And uh, I really felt that with the ReBurn crew, you know, it was really an awesome um, collaboration because we could just easily talk. And so then when things, you know, like let's say we're like stuck on a point, like, oh, like what is this character supposed to look like? Or like, what is this setting supposed to be? How is this technology supposed to exist in this world? you know like you can kind of um find the overlap in the conversation the find mm. the like the, the points of like well you know this piece of media and it's like oh I know all about that I really you know I, I exactly know what you mean now and so that's really important
1: mm. yeah using others art in a sense to be able to more figure out where they're coming from because one thing I, I mentioned i believe briefly in the uh, reborn conversation we had with alison and, and I'll, I'll link to that and obviously the reborn comic and things like that in the description and show notes and things um but in, in that conversation one of the things that we discussed was character um character creation and that was something that very much intrigued me and as you've uh, sort of mentioned there because what i said in this other conversation as well was that when you're an artist especially someone who's either commission-based or is doing comics or things like that you are basically a translator in a lot of ways, especially when it's a new IP, when it's something that hasn't been drawn before or seen before in other media. You you have to be able to understand what they're saying. And unless they are, you know, there are certain creators. One I think of is Dave Filoni, obviously, who makes uh, Rebels and Styles Wars Clone Wars and things. He is not he's he's a fairly good artist i think he, he draws he kind of it's he's more of a storyboard kind of guy but he has done some artwork and things that is quite cool so when he's trying to explain something to the art department he can basically draw it in a lot of ways and that really helps them but i think the probably the majority of individuals who are in the the writer's seat or that sort of area may not be able to draw to a example of say dave Filoni of that kind of middle ground so when there's that kind of situation when you worked with people like alison or um others who can't draw as in as air quotes professionally i don't know how much dave Filoni. i keep using him as an example because it's just the middle ground guy i can think of how yeah. do you kind of uh translate that especially with character creations also you mentioned about the the media but do they do they also try and draw like stick figures and things like that or is that kind of counterproductive in some ways like if someone isn't as artistically talented as yourself is that a helpful thing drawing itself or is it more of a like how does that work if at all
0: yeah, yeah. Well, it's, like, I think a lot of the times, like, for character creation and that kind of stuff, we would oftentimes, it's, like, triangulate between, like, images of well-known, like, characters or people, you know, so, like, that's something that they could, like, easily be like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like, this um, celebrity in this role, right, like, or this character in from this series, or, like, this character has this kind of vibe, you know, and mm-hmm. that kind of um is enough for me to be able to interpret and and usually start to uh, get close. And I would do a couple different versions of what I kind of thought that they were meaning. Mm. And from there, we were usually able to kind of be like, oh, like this, but maybe not so that, you mm. know. And um, in the case of, you know, providing art, I have worked with people who can like, will sometimes provide maybe like, not for character creation so to speak but maybe more for um panel structure and like the the pacing of like what they were imagining you know and that was in some of my earlier projects where it'd be like i'd get some um like i do a a a piece or like I do a page structure and it'd be like uh oh, that's not quite what we were looking for and then you know they'd give me just like a quick like you know because you don't with storyboards and with comics I mean it's not really about the art it's a, mm. like you know it can be an important feature and certainly people love really uh, beautiful evocative art but like there's also amazing comics out there where it is just kind of like stick figures and um, and they're they rely more on like the wit and the pacing and the the panel structure and so um, you know I can really use a lot from you know people like what they're kind of imagining like oh I want the figure kind of like here and if it's just like a weird you know wonky little figure that's fine because that's that's not necessarily what's important it's like that It's in for a comic you know it's that structure that pacing that like um you know shot composition essentially.
1: Hmm. That's very interesting and with sort of your painting and your styles and your artwork obviously things like Reburn I presume uh those were obviously the sketches and things actually I don't know with Reburn was it all digital like 100% of the artwork you did?
0: Um uh, well it became digital because I find that working digitally later is like easier because you can move through the deadlines quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the early process, I try to hand draw as much as possible because that is help that helps me find the, the image easier. Um, because digital, I mean, I don't know how, you know, like I know a lot of people have different relationships with it because I come from a traditional art background. Um, it helps me, I kind of can think better when I draw or I paint or I, you know, work with materials to start to find the character. Uh, Or like, or when I'm doing, um, thumbnailing, I have to sketch it out in my sketchbook. I have to use pencil and paper. Like I've tried to do like, um, like digital storyboards, um, or like, and, and it's so frustrating for me because I almost, I can't, it's so easy to start to get nitpicky with digital because you can just endlessly like edit and correct. And you know, you're, you zoom in and when you zoom in, you're trying to, uh, it's like, I'm trying to get uh, details that don't matter, you know? And it's so much nicer with, I find with graphite and pencil, if I'm like just trying to sketch something out really quick, because I can be less precious about it. Um, but once I've had enough time to kind of think with with materials, like with draw, drawing materials or painted stuff, um, then I feel like I and I get to that, that core image of like what I'm trying to do. Then I can jump into digital and it feels like, OK, now I I have the plan. I have the blueprint.
1: Interesting, because what would one would assume it would be the opposite because of how digital there is that readiness to be able to, you know, control Z edit just undo that. Oh, that was rubbish. You know, one button, done, gone. Whereas when you do it with graphite or with painting or things like that, you can adjust if you make an error, but you can't just undo. And so I would if i wasn't me and it's going to make sense after this but if i wasn't me i would sound i would say that sounds in reverse but with myself um one thing i often show guests and i may have shown you before is just my notebooks i've got loads of these i i all my show notes for all my podcasts and they do it with different color pens so it's all like written and there's like scraggly tiny bits written down in different places because i like the freedom of being able to just oh add something here and and there and you can kind of see what goes where and what's important to wear like i know it's it's a different thing to art but like when i'm writing down notes it's like being able to do it physically i it's my rules if i want to write a word in giant letters over everything i can just do that but on a word document or a notepad file it's not the same and there's a degree of freedom that comes from just pen on paper and i find that when i'm writing things down it, things always flow to me better when I'm thinking of guests for podcasts and things. I don't write them on my phone first. I get a notepad and I write them down there. And then when I then want to kind of action them, then I put them on my phone. So there is something about, I mean, I'm not much of a drive. I do do a bit, but not anything good at all. Um, but with pen on paper, I just think it's something, or pa- uh, pencil on paper, there's just something about putting it physically in front of you that I don't think matches with anything else. So with art, it's on another level.
0: Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I think you're probably better than you think. Again, like coming back to what I was saying that people are their harshest critics when it comes to making stuff. Um, but like, literally I mean we've talked I've talked about this in like college where you start to get into like the theory around art and and image making like drawing is just mark making on paper right so technically writing is drawing so like everybody's always like I'm not an artist so I don't know it's like do you write your signature do you like you know write notes I mean that's drawing you know there and we've started to see especially in the last like hundred years these like dissolving of these boundaries you know and and so many artists like they play with that you know push and pull so I I do think that I agree with you that that there's something very direct about Drawing because it's so it's so intuitive. You know, you just need to have like a surface and a pen, and you know, you can make marks, and that's so like refreshing. Whereas like with digital, there you're interfacing. You know, Mm -hmm. you've got this like this machine, this device, all these different like apps and programs, and you know, all this noise that can be a little um, distracting when you're trying to really just let the thoughts flow. And not be so, um, you know, scat. You know, you just kind of need it to be easy and freeform. And then you can kind of organize it later. And that's why I find, like, you know, these- this technology is really useful for that. Um, but, like, it- I don't see it completely replacing, like, that um, physicality, that-, that material, because, you know, we're still physical beings. Like, we kind of uh, have these, like, intuitive relationships with, with stuff.
1: Yeah. No, I agree completely. And with that, so on your website, you've got uh, drawings and you've also got paintings. Do you have a Mm -hmm. preference to graphite on paper, to painting and things? And if so, what is it uh, about that that you prefer?
0: Well, I would say that, I mean, like I, like I was saying that there's these boundaries are they're so like fragile, you know, they're so like at this point drawing and painting I kind of they're kind of the same thing but like mm-hmm. there's you know maybe minutiae you could get into um, of how they're different but I would say that I'm, I've always seen myself as somebody who draws like I'm a draftsman I'm somebody who can really draw a lot of things but I in recent years started to feel almost like um, maybe like like I had done a lot already and I was feeling like lack of challenge you know it was like oh I want to do something more and that's when um, I've started to really love and adore painting because painting adds this level of complexity with color and managing color and then of course learning how to do something like oil painting is probably like the pinnacle of challenge because there's so many different um you know it's it's like one part art and then one part chemistry right Mm -hmm. and you're having to like learn a lot of stuff and navigate a lot and I find that really um, exciting because it's like it's a nice challenge and it it kind of pushes me um, where my drawing you know like I had gone to a certain point with it where I've started to feel like oh okay well like what now you (laughs) know and I feel excited with painting more so but I do um, but drawing is always like you know a really an important part of that process as well. Like you need to do a lot of, I mean, I need to do a lot of sketches and a lot of iterations and, you know, working with things like, I, I do a lot of graphite work ahead of, a, in, in anticipation of putting paint on, on a surface. <laughs>
1: Yeah, nice practice just to kind of be like where well, I want to go with this because it, they're almost the inverse, aren't they? Because graphite is at its purest form outlines, and then you can add more detail as you go more into the minutia of it. But with just a simple pencil and a bit of paper, it starts off as lines. Whereas colors, the opposite, painting's the opposite. It's color. You get colors first, and obviously when you put a paintbrush down, that can be a line. But that's a block of colour, more so how one perceives it initially. So it becomes the two completely opposing forces of one is outlines and one is pure colour. And so with that, obviously, it's easier to be, say, precise in certain ways with the graphite. And with the painting, where there's no clear end to a colour, that's when it becomes, I'm imagining, more freeing. But also somewhat more challenging if you haven't got exactly what you want in your mind but equally because it's freeing it can potentially get you out of a a block in some way
0: yeah no absolutely and i mean painting can be so um it's like painters and like people i know who are painters we all kind of like get a little shy about this particular feature of it but it feels like painting talks back to you Mm. and it it's it feels like woohoo haha you know like you know a little uh, meta i guess but it it's it's so true because the the way paint moves and behaves it has a lot of you know properties and characteristics that are unique to it that kind of start to come out of your they're out of your control right in a way that like maybe with like if I have a pencil and I'm like really getting into some fine detail you know like I kind of have a lot more control in that case but with paint it can be its own like like I do something and it's like oh that's like weird but like that's part of the beauty of it because it becomes almost like a conversation with the with the material and uh, again it sounds a little like woo like weird and such but I I really appreciate that because almost it becomes a collaboration with the material, you know, and like we were talking about collaboration earlier. um, It keeps it interesting because if I'm just like in total control, like I I honestly usually don't like what I come out with because I'm sort of like, you know, like look at that it was i i had this idea and now it's there and it's not as interesting as i thought it was you know Mm -hmm. whereas sometimes if you're in a conversation you know whether it's with an actual person or with paint you know it it you are surprised and then you can kind of if you're like willing and open enough you can kind of live with those strange happenstances and might actually those things might actually be the thing that make the work good um Yeah. No, I I mean,
1: it doesn't sound silly to me at all. Um, And I think that it's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. I mean, how is it any different from going outside and nature inspiring you to do something? There's a concept. um, My own personal religious and spiritual beliefs are hand-wavy. I don't believe in a God. I just believe we're kind of beings of energy. We all came from the same and We all just, you know, the Big Bang or whatever happened and then we're all just shooting out off in... All directions all at once, and we just, (laughs) we've got life, and it's just a big, nice, happy coincidence. But let's just do what we can with it, and then we all just eventually fold up back into the same point where, you know, energy is never destroyed, it's always transferred. So we're all each other in some form, just over billions of years plus. So when I think of the universe and I think of all these sorts of other elements, one thing that always strikes me is imagination and it's the idea I think a lot of individuals who are religious uh, they believe it's the voice of God a lot of spiritual beings uh, people who are obviously still human beings uh, they believe in maybe other beings are speaking to them or other planes of reality or whatever and obviously, a lot of people who end up using uh, psychoactive drugs, they say, you know, you get inspiration uh, from DMT from the other realms or with psilocybin mushrooms, any of these sort of things, no matter how one kind of uh, goes to this degree of elevated way of consciousness. You can even do it, obviously, through meditation as well and things like that. It all comes from something, somewhere, telling you to do something. When I started podcasting, I've described it as uh, the pull. It. I, I just had this feeling this this thing i just felt like it should be something i should be doing when people ask me i've got i've got a reason because if i always just say i felt like i should it makes me sound like i'm like self-proclaiming of the podcast prophecy child you know it's 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 more just yeah. this thing of it feels right to do and from doing this thing loads of great things in my life have happened and i'm not saying a god or a celestial being is speaking to me but there's this feeling of imagination and this feeling of what beyond what you want some sort of almost like a desire that's not a control of yours you just kind of feel it sometimes you feel a good feeling sometimes you feel bad feelings with podcasting it was this and i feel like with artwork especially and with the painting it's the paint is speaking with you because you're just kind of when you are in that and you can either get into a flow state if one wants to call it that or whatever you you block out the static of the rest of the world you are kind of hyper focusing in either on the world around you or introspectively or however one may be depending on what one is painting and the the artist themselves but it becomes this sort of thing where you open yourself up in a way that's different to the normal way say one communicates in the modern world speaking to each other having to do these things when you're by yourself and you're painting you are just letting free whatever thoughts or whatever inspirations come in and it's kind of this machine in your mind where it's translating imagination and things you're getting from your senses into. A manifestation on the the paint. So I agree that y- you must be talking to the paint in that kind of way in in a, in a communication. So yeah, to me it doesn't sound silly at all. It just connects to the wider imagination and how people do things in a sense.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. No. It does. Uh, I I do feel that that you know, and that's kind of the heart of creativity is mm. just being able to um, be open. And then even like, I think mastery in art and and various creative pursuits, because like you're talking about with the podcasting, you know, like that, that is your creative pursuit that's like pulling you, you know, like what, and like the core of it is like connection with people, conversation and interaction. And that, that's like, you know, I think similar to what happens ultimately with, with art, because you just, you're trying to create something, interpret and then like present it and hope that you know people get get the thing out of it you know Mm. whether it's completely within your control or not um and so i feel uh i feel pretty strongly like you know what you're talking about too that it's like mastery in this in this in these fields comes from gaining a lot of experience doing it and being able to say like oh like I can let that happen, you know, I can, you know, be open to being, um, letting the material kind of guide the process, because you've had enough experiences to see like, oh, yeah, that that's a good thing to pursue, you know, like, I, you know, famously, Bob Ross, you know, he called them happy accidents, right? Like, and those happy accidents are kind of like what makes art so cool, because you get to like for even the artist to keep it interesting because it's like, you know, I, I don't want to keep doing something that it's like is predictable and just, you know, it, it becomes boring. And just in the same way I was saying with drawing, I reached a certain point where I was like, okay, like I'm, I've kind of got this on, on lock and I feel pretty good about it, but I'm starting to feel like bored, I guess, you know, just like, you know, I'm not getting the same um, challenge out of it. And you know, it's at those moments that you start to push yourself into new, uncomfortable territories. And it's probably why art can be so hard because you, it's like, you're never, if you're doing it right, I feel like you're never quite satisfied. You're always kind of in this uncomfortable place of like, oh, how's this going to go? I don't know. And, uh, you know, that anxiety, that stress, um, that nervous energy of like, will this work? You know, it, it's but that's the part that's fun about it and uh and I think people they feel that they they like that tension as well I mean because most of the paintings or works of art that I've done that I've been the most like I don't know about this you know like people respond the most to those pieces and I'm like how do they know you know like how do they see that in it
1: I imagine it's partly that when an artist has got whatever is in their mind the the perfect image as it were when you put it to paper, no matter how many times, if you even do it digitally or anything, no matter how many times you tweak it, it can never be perfect. Maybe, let's say a person to put a number on it, you could do 95% perfect. You can never get that last 5%, that's an impossibility. But that 5% or the 10% or how many percent from the original thought you had, the air quotes perfect painting, how many percent you remove, it just means that there's almost more room in a sense for interpretation. You know, although I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of abstract pieces, I like it when it's abstract mixed in with other genres of painting when I can vaguely when I can more so see what it is. I know Dali is quite a famous abstract painter. That sort of thing's quite cool rather than I think there's another term for it but when it's abstract where it's literally just like four block colors of just right, squares. Like that's-
0: yeah pure abstraction yeah pure
1: abstract is is too much for me i'm like this this I, my thing is just like if i could do that and that isn't speaking to me i don't know why this exists as a thing whereas when it's uh, abstract with something else which is some of your work pieces i've noticed have got like elements of abstract parts in it When you get that, you get so much more interpretation of what you can kind of see into that and different people with different life experiences and even potentially how our eyes all view like versions of the color spectrum slightly differently. Things like that, just minor things that you don't necessarily think about, can tweak how one perceives a piece of art. And I think maybe it's the imperfections from that idealistic thing in an artist's mind. That's kind of the thing that, that allows for a lot more interpretation from others.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's like I was talking with um, a painting mentor of mine uh, about something similar to this recently that a lot of um, a lot of people like are kind of we were talking about how art can't truly at least with painting, it feels like art can't really be separated entirely from the artist. Like Mm -hmm. it has its own life. But like people want and are like eager to kind of know like what the who the artist is who's the person that made it and the kind of like mythos of the of the artist and we were like why i d-? you know it it can be weird that like especially with painting that people want that so much but i think it it kind of comes from what you're talking about that it's that um, you know, there's a kind of humanity in knowing, like, who is the person and, like, what is the context of their life that led them to, like, make this thing, you know? And and I I really, I'm no different. I actually really love that. And I love reading about artists and painters and kind of how they arrived at a piece of work because it's like such an, there's such interesting narratives behind it. And it kind of helps, um, I don't know, it helps place the piece, place the artwork uh, in that moment. So you under, you can start to do that kind of interpretation thing and, and let your mind wander of like, oh, wow, like, you know, so maybe this is related to that or this, you know, kind of psychoanalyze the painter and the work of art. Because in all, in, you know, ultimately, that's probably also psychoanalyzing yourself being like, why, you know, where are you jumping to with, with this? You know, how, where is it taking you? Like, even those pieces that you kind of like, dislike, like that pure abstraction, you know, The fact that you dislike it is an interesting thing, you know, Mm. it's like, yeah, why, why do I like, why am I revolted by this? You know, like I, I had a teacher who told us, um, in college, she was like, write down the artists and the artwork that you hate, because there's actually probably something in there that is, uh, maybe even more related to what you're doing than you realize and like Mm. i and i was always like no no i hate you know like i would just think about these artists that i was like no no i hate that you know and i would literally do like my own work and people would be like it kind of reminds me of like this artist and and they meant (laughs) it as like a compliment but i was like how how dare you you know like i hate that (laughs) you know and it's but it, it there's something true in some ways like maybe in like i found that in the places where I'm like disliking something or even um not understanding something uh sometimes it, it might even be like I could do that better or like I have like there's something about that that's like close to what I I feel but like I I, I you know you want to take it your own way and so there's this own like kind of a challenge in that too um and it's just beautiful it's beautiful to be able to you know be so in conversation with paintings and works of art and then the people who like make that and like and their histories you know like they they tell us so much about ourselves you know they're kind of like our uh ancestors even if they're not directly related to us there's something about that like human nature to create stuff that gives us so much insight into our moment too Mm
1: -hmm. yeah and however you look at it you know we are Uh, to get delve deeper into one of the other things i said you know we are all related in some way you know be it we're all humans we're of the same species or be it we're all carbon life forms on this planet of the countless trillions there are you know we are in some ways related or on this earth in say 150 years to be generous every single one of us is going to be dead unless something mental happens in sci-fi-esque sort of crazy stuff but generally we're all probably going to be gone and we're not going to be in our forms, we are now, but you know, the carbon that makes our bodies is going to go into the dirt and things, and the atoms that make us is going to become all one. So, even in in a really funny abstract sense, is we are all related uh, in that way. And so, I, I want to kind of delve into something slightly more personal with yourself, which is uh, shown on your website. And it's one of the ways that you have um, organized your artwork. So, If I would recommend anyone who's listening, as long as you're not in a car or something, is to go over to uh, Elise's uh, website, elismccall.com. A link will be in the description, so you can just click straight on that. And go to the painting section, because they're split into three groupings of years. It was uh, 2020 to 2022, uh, and then there's also... um, I mean, I should have asked you this before uh, clicking on them and going all willy-nilly, but then it's up to 2020, which was... I'm on your website, but it's taking a second to load. So unfortunately, I've just screwed myself over. Sorry, what are yeah. the three? What are the three? Uh,
0: Let me see two uh,
1: parts of your website um, of the paintings, and what can you say about each of them? Because there's a pattern, or at least an an intrigue that I think I've seen from it, which. Mm groups them together and it seems to be connections to parts of your life so i wonder if you could just tell us sort of about these paintings in particular why you decide to have them in three collections of your time so yeah it was 2016 to 2018 was one grouping of them uh, and then another grouping was before that and then another grouping was 2020 to 2022 so what made you choose those three groupings in a sense was just coincidence of when you had things there or were they in your mind different uh chapters in your life and you don't have to say anything too personal about yourself delve into any demons things but whatever you wish to tell us
0: yeah no i mean i have to also like i'm just quickly look looking and seeing you know but yeah i i think that grouping works of art by date and time is really important and helpful Um, a big part of that you know comes from a tradition in like western art you know to to contextualize a piece of art by saying like what era does this come from what what year does it come from because even like year to year you know a piece of art um, that can say a lot about the history of like the moment and so I try to I, I really do feel like my art because it's so It's so uh, I can be a little all over the place with like my subject matter, even though I'm sure, you know, there's there's continuity you can see for sure that I tend to feel like it's more accurate to speak of periods of time um, and to be able to see works of art in a period of time to kind of see that because, you know, is it a progression? I'm not sure because I think that sometimes these there is a, a timeline, but Sometimes I come back to subjects or I come back to um, ways of painting because I don't necessarily think that they're invalid, you know, and it's not just this like perfect linear growth line. It's like it's kind of like this weird, you know, circular thing, you know, working through my my artistic journey. Um, But I think it's helpful to still see like, oh, yeah, this period, uh, you can kind of see some things I was starting to get into and then like you can start to you know have I think go through that journey and begin to see oh look at where you've arrived with some of these things you know and uh, I find it helpful and I hope that it helps people you know contextualize my work and see some trends you know I, I think ultimately one trend that's probably very evident is that i'm a figurative artist and that like i'm always painting the figure um but how i do that you know does kind of start to change with each era
1: yeah i agree that was one of the things that i had listed from uh notes from our prior conversation that i kind of noticed when i went on your website and things so I, i'm hoping that some people are actually uh, checking out some of this artwork because it is incredible but it's quite interesting because it it makes me think of a trilogy because you've got the before, which is more of the figurative, you know, more of the, I wouldn't want to say necessarily innocent, but there's not as much uh, darkness in a sense around mm. it. There's, it's a lot That's more about the, the the sort of the human body and things a lot more. Then the second batch of them, um, which is uh, the, I think, 2016 to 2018 grouping, I found that there's a lot more you know, there's one uh, image of an individual who's kind of wrapped in a snake. It, it may be a oh, yeah. statue. It may be a petrified individual. It may just be a person of, uh, maybe a, of the bog or something. And then there's a couple of people. You know, there's a woman with blood on her face and things like that. So, a lot of that feels kind of like the the going in the darkness, the the disequilibrium in a sense of of the artistic journey. And then when you go to sort of the modern, I find that you've it's not as once again this is the wrong word but almost as innocent as the first and it's not mm. quite as and this is very oversimplification dark as the second groupings but you can feel the co- combination of some of the uh the styles you're kind of mixing together and one of the ones that i really appreciate and i thought the name was very clever as well is the, the hymeninium i can't pronounce it oh yes. hymen n- hymen hymen <laughs> Hy, hymen and then uh neum so it's like um a flower, and obviously Hyman, uh, people should know what that is. If, if not, you're probably too young to be listening to this podcast. Um, but <laughs> those sort of things, and as you look in this, um, some of the colours are more bold, and you've still got this darkness there, but it's not quite as overt in certain ways. Obviously, there are certain paintings, yeah. like there's that red background one with the sort of white figure that's kind of a, either a bear or a wolf sort of thing. But you've got a lot mm-hmm. more... The lines in some of these paintings are in certain ways more clear, But when the background, it's less clear, it's much more cleaner in a way, more intentional in certain degrees. And I find that the more you can see how you have improved in certain respects in certain practice and techniques it finds and I, I want to clarify uh, please take what i say with a pinch of salt because i am <laughs> i'm uh, i've not been to art school or any those sort of things so the terminology i use may not be um, ideal but i just think no. th- it's more matured and it feels like these two eras have kind of come together to something which really brings about some of the elements that i really appreciate from the earlier more figurative elements and then the middle sort of darker elements so i wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that really?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, by the way, I mean, you would say you didn't go to art school, but you would have fooled me. I mean, like the way you talk and it's like and, and that's what I always try to encourage people is that there's no like wrong way to to talk about art. And oftentimes like going with your, you know, kind of your gut feelings. It's like I, I find is actually always the most accurate. And you, you've really touched on, you know, I feel very, you know, um, you know. Uh, thankful that you would see a lot of this stuff, you know, and and also it comes back to that kind of um, thing I was talking about earlier that I'm always really amazed at how much like people and like you yourself could like pick up on certain things that, you know, I know was like kind of present in my life. But I wasn't sure. I'm never sure if it's like really coming across, but it's it's kind of encouraging to hear that, you know, that that stuff is seen and felt in the work. Um, and with those three different eras, you know, it, it does kind of speak to this progression of moving through, like, almost like my learning of how to paint the figure, you know, learning how, like, more academic, you know, practice just to get, like, how does a body fit together, you know? How does, uh, how do I capture light and and and, you know, color accurately and then like once I get to kind of that point you know in that middle stage it's like then I can kind of start to you know let out some of this you know this angst you know (laughs) especially as a young person I feel like I you know can be a little I can be I have a lot of it you know and and I do really sometimes can be maybe even on the nose about it right and and I don't think that that's a bad thing but it, it, it is nice to hear that you kind of have been seeing and feeling like it's it's progressing and evolving because I'm trying to find that 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 in between as well because I don't want it to be like easily you know with a painting I don't want it to be easily dismissed and I don't want it to be easily understood either I think that the best part of a painting is one that can you know compel you to keep looking for a little bit and to get you to think even just a beyond like you know a a a quick glance because it's so easy to you know dismiss paintings in in this age of you know endless distraction um so with with work i try to do that that push pull so that it's not clear whether this is like entirely a negative state of being or if it's like you know there's some good and beauty in it too uh yeah, I don't know if, if that makes sense or answers your question.
1: No, it does. I mean, with with all, almost all good art, you've got uh, some degree of confliction within it in a good way. And, and one of your art styles, you know, you from one of the interpretations I get as well is, you know, especially in your later work, there's a lot more about nature. And that's the end of part one. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, my friends. Make sure you tune in to this very feed next week for part two. Or if you can't wait that long, please go to patreon.com slash genuine For as little as one pound a month, you get access to an audio feed where you can't get anywhere else. You can pop the link into the podcast player of your choice, or you can listen on the Patreon app or website browser, however you'd like to listen. But you get the full unsplit episode in one go, as well as access to a variety of exclusive genuine chitchat content. Content, primarily afterthoughts which is the main thing people like to be a patron supporter for which is listening to myself and megan talk about movies or tv shows or holidays we have been on or live performances we've seen those sorts of things and as it is the end of our spooky season we have released at the moment i think 10 or 11 episodes of spooky afterthoughts we went through the five scream films we did hocus pocus the fly the others lots of other movies for the spooky season so make sure you consider checking that out and outside of the spooky season we also talk about loads of other things so if you want to support the show, as well as getting early access to genuine chit chat episodes, as well as getting access to over a hundred exclusive afterthoughts episodes, please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chitchat. But what else have we got going on? Well, obviously, next week is part two. And in that conversation, myself and Elise's conversation continues. But we delve deeper into Elise's artwork shown on our website. And as I said in the intro, please go over to EliseMcCall.com. Links in the description because some of our artwork is absolutely incredible. And especially in part two, it's going to be very important to see some of that artwork so you get a general gist of the kind of things we are speaking about. In addition to that, we delve even further and deeper than that. We speak about the difference between being a human and being a person, intertwining life with nature. We also speak about sexuality being present in Elisa's artwork as well. And we also speak about putting work out into the world, podcasting during COVID, and a few other bits and pieces, including what it's like to be a generalist. So that's what you can expect for next week in the conversation. And then what else have we got coming up? well I've got a conversation due for recording with Frank Burton about his newest book as well as a podcast he did which I'm quite excited to speak to him about but I've also got recording which is going to be after part 2 of Elise McCall drops there's going to be the next edition of Disney Discussions I think, that's probably the order I'm going to do it in, so for obviously Disney Discussions the last one we did was on the feed of Spider-Dan and the Secret Boars, it's a collaborative effort between myself, Megan, Rhea Carrigan who is a part of the Comics Emotion family and is a pop gorilla and Spider-Dan and the Secret Boars who is a part of the extended Comics emotion family who also recently co-hosted the she-hulk discussion show has appeared on this podcast a couple times and has his own podcast spider dan and the secret boars we all get together like once a month or so and watch four disney films of varying subject matter and talk about them so on Dan's feed we did the Weird and Wonderful Disney, uh, the time before that we did director video sequels, before that we did sort of our favourite movies and things, and this time we've done our favourite Pixar movies. So it's a lot more of a, a lighter discussion this time round, and it was really, really fun to do, so that is what you can expect from this feed. I've got a few other recordings due, including returning guest uh, Rathika Rao, who I spoke with a few months ago now about Buddhism, so she's coming back on the show to talk more. And then I've got a few other bits and pieces in the background, as I always do. So lots of cool stuff to end the year of 2022. There's also going to be a Christmas special of Disney Discussions, which should be out before Christmas. That would be the, the main goal of that. I think we're going to be recording that sort of early December too and lots of other cool things as well. So make sure you subscribe to Genuine Chit Chat wherever you are listening to this. Obviously, you can go to youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. You get video versions of many of these discussions. And once part two has dropped, the full video discussion should be on YouTube of this conversation with Elise as well. And in addition to that, there's also lots of playlists. So if you want conversations, all about spirituality or if you want conversations specifically about science stuff or if you want just really nerdy conversations about Star Wars all of those things are in playlists as well as all of my episodes of Star Wars Comics in Canon which is obviously my other show which releases on the feed of Comics in Motion so all of those are in playlists as well it's a great place to just keep up to date with relatively everything I'm doing but you can obviously follow me at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook and you keep up to date with all the other things I'm doing including guest spots and you get snippets of Genuine Chit Chat episodes you get photos of some of the artwork for the Star Wars Comics and Canon episodes and lots of other cool bits and pieces, and occasionally photos of my dog Willow, or puppy, who is a cocker spaniel with a bit of poodle in her. Uh, You can check that out on my story usually, and obviously just general pictures as well. That's generally on Instagram, but I try and post in a variety of places. I think Twitter and Instagram are the best places to keep up to date with me, because Facebook is kind of a, a tertiary way of me keeping yourselves up to date. I think for the most part that's what I've been up to so obviously I've done a couple of guest spots recently I was on Ike's Flame to talk about Star Wars The High Republic I was on Frank Burton's I Like The Sound podcast to talk about some sounds and things I like so you can check that out and a few other bits and pieces like I appeared on the She-Hulk podcast on Comics in Motion to welcome that episode 7 I think it was and there's other stuff to come including my and or discussion show that I've been doing so myself and Jack of I'm Jack's Musings who was also a pop gorilla and member of the Comics in Motion family we're taking turns hosting a weekly and or discussion show so Jack took the helm the week gone and then i'm going to be taking the helm for next week so obviously in that we talk about the Andal show that's currently on disney plus so if you want to hear our thoughts on that as well as some easter eggs and bonus stuff about the show as well make sure you tune into that you can subscribe to comics in motion on any podcast player to listen to that or on genuine chit chats youtube channel you can also find it there But I think that's going to be enough for me, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please try and support by sharing on social media. Consider checking out patreon.com slash genuine chitchat. And also you can rate and review this show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, and a variety of other places. So I appreciate all your support. I appreciate you listening, especially to the very end. And I'll bid you adieu. So I'll speak to you next week with part two of my conversation with Elise McCall.
0: You have just experienced host, creator, everything else, of genuine chitchat. And also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.